Well, what a pleasure it is to be back with you. I was here a year ago, I think, wasn't I? Last yes, call for a visit. Um, and it's just wonderful to be back with Patrick, the clergy, musicians, lay leadership, you, the membership of this church, so important uh, to me when, in my time when I was uh, the bishop of the diocese. So it's great to be back, and uh, thank you for the invitation, Patrick. Yes, we did have a great service at 9 o'clock with a number of baptisms, and, uh, receptions, and confirmations, reaffirmations. So uh, now I don't have a time limit, so I can just go on and on in the service. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> I know you're really uh, okay, so I grew up, like perhaps you did, on country music. As a Texan, well, a lot of us uh, grew up on that. And the other day, I'm driving along, and uh, I'm listening to some music, and on comes Johnny Cash's song, Sunday Morning Coming Down. Remember that? Sunday morning coming down. I'm going to uh, review what that song uh, talks about. So, so this will be familiar to some of you and an in information maybe the other. Now, it's about a guy who wakes up on Sunday morning and he's got a bad hangover. So uh, he has a beer for breakfast and a beer for dessert. One of the reasons it didn't make it into the hymnal. <laughs> he gets himself dressed and he goes out to kind of see the day. And as uh, part of the refrain of this song, uh, it talks about the sleeping city sidewalks. So the imagery there is, of course, of a quiet Sunday morning, uh, like most of us experience when we go somewhere early on Sunday morning. And he encounters along the way a kid who's kicking a can down the street, uh, uh, just, but there's just this sense of loneliness. He does happen to stumble across a Sunday school class in this song, and uh, he stops and he listens to their song that they're uh, singing. But in spite of all this tranquility, and peace, and inspiration of this uh, Sunday school song, um, the, the guy that's the subject of the song is never able to overcome that melancholy feeling that he's got on that Sunday morning coming down. So I thought I'd write a country song. Because uh, I have a different experience on Sunday morning. I want to call it Sunday morning coming round. Sunday morning coming round. And I want you to think about how you prepare for worship when you uh, get up on Sunday. Well, I suppose the uh, first decision for many people is are we going to church? Uh, which is a pleasant thought to some and perhaps a difficult struggle uh, for others. So think about your routine, even this morning. You know, how did you prepare, prepare uh, to worship God this morning here? Uh, some people, um, when they get here, they haven't done any preparations, probably most people, and uh, so they might find themselves bored or perhaps uh, their mind wanders, what am I going to do later today, how bad will the Cowboys lose? There's a lot of things that can go on in somebody's mind on a Sunday morning. Um, I was, when I was an acolyte, I mean, when I was a kid, I was an acolyte. And uh, I became an acolyte uh, because, mainly because I was bored and I wanted something to do as a kid in church, and I wanted to get away from my pesky siblings uh, that were with me in the pew. Uh, it had little to do with a higher spiritual calling to the ministry of Acolyte. 
But God could even use that kind of thing uh, to get our attention. Now, speaking of pesky siblings, if you have any, or if you have children that more than one, then you have probably been on the giving or the receiving end of this comment. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me, right? Now, I was the oldest of three, so I was the boss, at least in my own mind. And uh, so we, so I heard that a, a lot. I'd tell my little brother and sister what to do, and I heard, you're not the boss of me. And i go, yeah, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. You know how it goes with kids. It's like a never-ending Three Stooges episode. And so I thought about the boss imagery as we come today to observe Christ the King Sunday. Because the theme of today either right out there or perhaps subtext is authority. Who's in charge is the question. Now kings like to be in charge, don't they? And as I learned from a seminary professor, all analogies break down eventually, so you can't uh, say any of these images we have for God are perfect because there are a lot of bad kings. We know that. This is one of the images that Jesus chose, and he told stories, and we refer to this. We prayed it today on the column. King of kings and Lord of lords. So it's who's in charge, authority. Now, there are different kinds of authority. There's the kind of authority uh, that would be uh, imperium. That would be like an army. I can force you to do something. I will make you do it by sheer force. That's one way to understand authority. There's another way that I like, which is to take the root word of authority, author, and think about God as the author, Jesus as our creator. What does an author do? Create something. The created thing belongs to the author, not somebody else. And so this imagery, the church is not well served in its life and history with imperium. I'm going to make you believe. That doesn't work too well. What works better is when we say yes to a gracious invitation. And we just read the colic, which talks about Jesus' gracious, merciful rule as our king. So he's waiting for our yes, our invitation. Now, there's no place that I can find in the gospel where Jesus asked people to be his acquaintance or his admirer. Those are lesser callings, lesser relationships than discipleship. Uh, I got a lot of acquaintances, uh, but I don't know them deeply. That's why they're acquaintances instead of best friends. There's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't get me deep into that relationship. Jesus doesn't need any more admirers, or even worse, advisors, which people want to be, um, because admirers are able to stand at a distance and not really get involved. They fail to see that what they admire, at least in the Christian context, demands a claim on their life. Disciples, on the other hand, 
try to be the kind of followers that Christ calls because they're putting Christ-like behavior and emotion in their own life. And discipleship uh, is hard. It can be very difficult. We, uh, we've read again in this colic that we are enslaved by sin. So I thought about this um, with one great image that I was reminded of um, that I saw quite a few years ago. But I was at HEB this week. And up here at Oak Park, you'll see it if you go there. Um, there uh, there's a display in the uh, deli area, uh, breads. And what is it? It's a big table with a lot of gingerbread imagery on it, or uh, product. You can buy a gingerbread house. You can make gingerbread men. It's a holiday thing. And I saw this cartoon one time that summarized, I think, the human dilemma. There's a man, a baker, he had this long uh, assembly belt going, and he was sitting there, and he was making gingerbread men one at a time. And they'd roll on down, and he'd focus on the other one. Well, a cartoon had one of the gingerbread men that had been made, got off of it, jumped down here, and was standing behind the baker getting ready to throw a wad of dough at his back of his head. I said, if that isn't a human problem, I don't know what is. Uh, good summary of the difficulty of what we talk about, kind of a fall, or however you want to look at that. Jesus doesn't help the situation much either in terms of making it easy to be a disciple. I often thought Jesus would have, could have had a much uh, bigger following had he had a good PR firm uh, in the Holy Land. Can you imagine? Jesus goes into the PR firm, they're sitting around the table, and PR uh, members say, um, all right, what's the, what's the subject today? And Jesus says, I'm going to talk about how you got to hate your family and lay down your life for my sake. And they're like, no, that's not going to work. That is not going to get a lot of followers. Not gonna, well, that's what it's, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say it anyway. Discipleship is saying yes to the king. Kings like allegiance. Allegiance, among other things, means devotion, loyalty obedience, those kinds of things. But it's not a forced thing under this king. It's an invitation to say yes. So, I believe that there is a little bit of the divine spark planted in every human being. Now granted, some people you got to look pretty deep to find it. But it's in there. Somewhere. And you look down, and each one of us has it. Why do I think this? Because Scripture tells us that we are created in the image of God. And after that, Jesus, God said, it is good. It is good. So but I hope you believe that despite all of your gingerbreadness and my gingerbreadness, we've got some goodness down here. And we need to tap into that. And this world needs us to tap into this goodness. We just heard a recounting at the beginning of this service of all the things this congregation was doing to feed people in this neighborhood. It's the perfect example for this gospel lesson today about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for the stranger, visiting those sick and in prison. So I want to commend you uh, for that ministry. I hope also you'll remember, especially with one of these holiday se uh, this holiday seasons, to tap into that divine spark that is in you. And that means serving 
other people as a high, high priority. So I started the, these remarks by saying I'm going to start a new song, write a new song, Sunday morning, coming right. I hope that you will consider thinking about every time you come to worship or midweek Bible study, whatever it is, I wonder how God will speak to me today. It could be in a hymn, it could be in a scripture lesson, sermon, prayers, what your neighbor says to you, anything. It'd be different for each one of us. But if you're expecting, if you're looking for a message from this King of Kings that we talk about today, uh, I guarantee you, you will get one. We just have to tune into that. I have come in my life to understand God, Jesus Christ, less as the boss of me, as a helpful image, and rather that God is my author. God is my creator. God owns me because he made me. He has a claim on me. I want to live into that. Jesus did not say at the Great Commission, as in Matthew 28, 18 to 19, at the end of his earthly life for your sins, uh, he didn't tell his disciples all bossiness in heaven and earth has been given to me. <laughs> what he said was all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Author. So long live the king. And moreover, long live our author. Amen. Amen. Amen.